Good morning, everyone. Blessed Epiphany. Friends, last night I told the people about the relative who called me in question, and that relative does not want me using their name (laughs) or who they really are. So a relative called me and asked me, what's up with this Christmas? Why is why is uh, Russia and Ukraine celebrating Christmas on the 7th? We celebrated on the 25th. And I said, well, it has to do with calendars. I said, we follow the Gregorian calendar, they follow the Julia calendar. She said, English, please. (laughs) And I said, that's the best I have, because that's as close as we come. And I didn't even want to throw in the fact that there was scholarly argument that it wasn't even December, that it might have been September that Jesus was born, or it could have been in July, although that's kind of been argued enough and moved away from. But the point is that he was born. That's what I told him. The point is that they were born. Um, don't worry about the exact date. And my friends, this helped me to explain uh, to, her, uh, to my relative that the Bible is not just a book. It's 73 books. It's 73 books. Not a book. And... The Bible, the books contained in them, were never meant to be read as a history book. If you attempt to read it as a history book, you will come to to places that are irreconcilable and it seems to have inconsistencies. We all know this. The, the, The scriptures have been around long enough. We understand this. Anyone who wants to argue that, it's a you're just beating a dead horse. But we shouldn't look at it that way because it'll be problematic. What they are, are a collection of the royal history of salvation, prophetic books, as we call them, poetry, song of songs, letters to communities of faith. And what is it compiled together, all of them? It's the story of God's relationship with the people he has called to himself. If you approach the scriptures this way, It'll go much easier for you. It'll go better for you. And this is the proper way to understand them. I bring this up because um, when it comes to the Magi story, there was a fight about it. Uh, We can't prove that it really happened in history. You're missing the point. It only appears in Matthew's gospel. Why is not it in Luke? Why doesn't Mark talk about it? Why doesn't John talk about it? Don't worry about that. (laughs) That's not the point. Matthew's putting it forward for us to teach us something, to explain something to us. And, well, are they kings or magis? Wise men? I don't know. The Old Testament first, how do we know it's three? Well, because there's three gifts? (laughs) So hard to ask. (laughs) But we don't know that it was three. And we're not quite sure that they were magis. There could have been wise men, there could have been kings. Because the Old Testament refers in different ways uh, to the event. And uh, my friends, uh, I bring this up because it it can be kind of mind-boggling for folks. And uh, this Epiphany event, this story, tells us that Jesus, the second reading for today, tells you what the Epiphany is about. The first reading talks to us about the event that is going to come. And uh, Isaiah They were in captivity, they were released, they come back to their hometown, and it looks like an EF-5 tornado has hit it. So they're standing in the midst of ruins, and Isaiah says, 
people. The light of God is here. You can only imagine the look on their faces as to Isaiah. Do you see what we see? And that brings me to the event of the Epiphany. People looked up in the sky that night and just saw stars, while someone else saw something different. You see what happens? We all look up there, but see different things. The Epiphany story tells us that Jesus is Savior, not just of the Jewish people, but of everybody in every land. Its message tells of Christ's love, the Father's love in Christ. The Epiphany event puts forth the fulfillment of what Isaiah described in that first reading. All people coming to Jerusalem, to the Lord God. Likewise, it explains the fulfillment of God's plan, as St. Paul tells the Gentiles who believe in Jesus are now spiritually like the Jewish people. They, are now, they have now been called. In Christ, everyone can be a son or daughter of God. The understanding is that it does not matter where one was born, where you were born, which family you were born into, that unites us to God. The key is union with God now is faith in Jesus Christ, his son. This reality is put forth in the striking contrast then between the people of Jerusalem and the wise men, the kings, the magis, however we want to refer to them, of the east. And uh, last night someone said, well, Father, when you say east, what do you mean? I'm like, I think, although I'm not sure, it refers to Persia, it refers to Egypt, and Arabia. Those are the ideas where they would come from. Deacon might know a little bit more because he's kind of from that area, aren't you? <laughs> I've never been there. Hmm? But there's a contrast between the people who, of Jerusalem and the pagans of the east. The people of Jerusalem have the Old Testament, as we understand it, the Torah. And the wise men do not, the king's wise men, they do not have it. Jerusalem, with its strong religious heritage and pride, has the temple, sacred scriptures, teachers of the laws, priests to offer sacrifice in the temples. And then we have this image of the wise men, the kings, the pagan magis. They come from an eastern area. They come to Jerusalem, and they inquire. And then it seems as Matthew's telling us they inform the Jewish people that something has happened according to their scriptures. So they're asking for the directions. Can you tell us exactly where? They didn't have that. The Old Testament scriptures, we understand it, did. And it seems that the Jewish leaders are surprised. They call on the scholars who look up the prophecy, and they find it. And this is what's really telling about this. The Magi had found the prophecy in those stories they've heard. They heard stories. They're wise men, so they're curious about everything. They had heard something about the Jewish scriptures. And then they find an odd star in the sky, which foretold of a prophecy. And I want to point out, this is astronomy, not astrology. Someone messed up those words, and I get it. I mess up sometimes too. But um, 
And this tells us that God speaks in different ways to different people. He spoke to the pagans and, and to the Gentiles through nature. And it was not a full revelation. They could not understand. That's why they came to see the king. Herod, tell us, where can we find him? The Jewish leaders, not only did they not pay much attention to the prophecy, but they didn't even notice the astronomical event that happened. Even after the Jewish leaders are informed by these wise men about the prophecy in their own scriptures and of the event that happened in the sky, still none of them bothered to take time to go with these men. Instead, when you find them, if you find them, would you send word to me? They didn't even bother. I would have been on that camel in a minute. Let me go. Let me go. I need to go. Let me see. Or the donkey. Camels are kind of big. <laughs> they told the wise men, send word if you find anything. There is a contrast between the integrity and the spiritual honesty of the wise men and then what I know, or what I will call the apathy of the Jewish leaders of that time. And my friends, today similar apathy abounds. Part of the cause of this is a culture and a lifestyle that emphasizes wealth and power and the self, only self. Me, 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 me. Me, me, me. Me. And neglect of the soul is not a problem. Don't worry about that. And much of the current culture acts as a spiritual sedative, numbing us for the need of God or even of his presence and the need for his love, the need for forgiveness. People looked up to the sky that year and most saw only stars and went on their life as it were, business as usual. These kings or wise men or magi or a combination of all of them saw in that same night sky a sign from the Creator. Today there are signs also. Signs that can chase away spiritual apathy. The resilient sign of hope that always comes around Christmas time when everything seems so bleak and dark. And for a short time, people do seem to care more. This year we saw our churches filled almost to pre-pandemic numbers. And for me, that was a joy to see people whose faith were being rekindled, seeking to reconnect with their spiritual family, the Christians, us, and to maybe rebuild parts of their lives that are around this. So much kindness and acts of kindness at Christmas. Among us faithful ones, there are signs of the Lord's presence through his word and the scriptures proclaimed, the power and the death of his resurrection made present in our sacraments, the power of the Lord's spirit alive in the people, you, his disciples. These are all signs of the Lord's presence among us. So my friends, most of the people who I wish were here to, are not here now because 
with great love, the Christers. They come at Christmas and Easter. So the ones who should be listening to this are not here now. But if during the Christmas season, you or any of them, and you know them, had a spiritual epiphany of sorts, do not let that evaporate. Do not let it become dormant until Easter. Or worse, until next Christmas. Pray. Reflect on how you can keep that spiritual part alive, drawing closer to Christ and deepening your loyalty and faithfulness to him. Matthew's epiphany account is not just about an event centuries ago. It is a true revelation of the deep truths that apply to all of us today. For unbelievers, the epiphany reveals that God gives everyone a sign of his presence. Everyone. He speaks to all. For the faithful, it reveals that Christ's embrace is intended for everyone, lest we forget this. It calls us, the faithful, also to embrace other members of the universal church. For believers who drift, the epiphany reveals that there is a sign in their lives that will act as a guide to guide them back to the life of Christ and his church. The message of the epiphany is that whatever our darkness, however deep the night may seem, God's light is present. And my friends, here is the truth about us disciples, the baptized. At baptism, you receive that very light of Christ, and you are to reflect that light in the same way that the heavens, a star reflected. You're supposed to be doing the same thing. So they're supposed to be drawn to you. But if you're not acting like a disciple, if you're not following Jesus and doing things opposite, you're going to terrify them. You're going to send them running in a direction that they should not be going. Perhaps we are not aware of it, but his light is there. And it will guide us as it guided the wise men to the perfect light, which is Christ Jesus. The Epiphany account reveals that God is not distant and unknowable. He is not a stranger to everyone. And anyone who is generally searching for the Lord has already found him. They just need to open their hearts to see that. <laughs>